If you divide this section from 1 Samuel 4.1 to 1 Samuel 7.1, if you divide it up that way, I counted 37 mentions of the Ark of the Covenant. If you go an extra verse and go to 7.2, where some people divide the section, you get 38. So the Ark of the Covenant is front and center in this section of the book of Samuel. That's very clear. You remember what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 4 is the Bible tells us that the uh, Philistines, the Philistines defeated the Israelites in battle. The people of Israel asked, why has the Lord done this? But they don't stop and inquire of the Lord. They don't stop and inquire of the Lord. They simply make plans to take the Ark of the Covenant with them to the battlefield. And we say when we went through that, I don't think that was inherently wrong, but they're treating the Ark of the Covenant like a good luck charm. When they take the Ark of the Covenant to battle, uh, which was led by Eli's wicked sons, uh, they are defeated in battle, this time in a more resounding fashion, and the Ark of the Covenant is taken. And when news comes that, the, that Eli's two sons have died, and the Ark of the Covenant has been taken, he, he was blind, waiting for the news, and when he hears the news of the Ark of the Covenant, he just falls over and breaks his neck and dies. Um, and so the Philistines have defeated the Israelites. The Philistines defeated the Israelites. And when Ichabod's wife gives birth to a child, she says she names him, or excuse me, not Ichabod's wife, uh, but... Um, Phinehas' wife, I believe, it gives birth to a son. She names him Ichabod and said, The glory has departed from Israel. So the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant back to their land and they put it in the house of their God because obviously their God has given them victory over Israel's God. But they come in the next day and, the, and, the, and Dagon, their God, is on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. If you didn't know better, you would even think it was the posture of worship. And so they pick Dagon up and they put him in his place. And the next day, Dagon is down before the Ark of the Covenant. But this time his hands and his head are cut off. And everybody in the city, everyone in the city of Ashdod begins to be struck with tumors and dies. The Bible describes it as the hand of the Lord was heavy against the people. And so they send the Ark of the Covenant to Gath. And there the hand of the Lord comes on the people. And they begin to die. And then they send the Ark of the Covenant to Ekron. And the people of Ekron said, why are you sending it to us? You see, the Philistines are the but they have to do Israel's God. Israel's God is alive and well. And this same thing will be played out later in the Old Testament story when we get to the book of Daniel and the Babylonians conquer Judah and they take the vessels of the house of their God and put them in the house of their gods. 
But you remember what happens when they take those vessels out and they start to drink from them and mock the God of Israel. They fell that very night. You see, you can defeat God's people, but you can't defeat God Himself. And you see through this too that God is not limited by the failures of His people. He's not limited by the failures of His people. God's will and way can survive and, 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 th- and thrive even without the help of His people. Now, hard to know a good stopping point in this chapter. I'm debating whether to stop at the end of verse 6 or at the end of verse 9. And I'm going to see uh, what I think by the time I get there. But let's look at 1 Samuel 6, verse 1, New American Standard Bible. The ark of the Lord had been in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priest and the diviners, saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it, shall send it to its place. And they said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but you shall surely return to him a guilt offering. Then you shall be healed, and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, What shall be the guilt offering with which we shall return to him? And they said, Five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for one plague was on all of you and on your lords. So you shall make likenesses of your tumors and likenesses of your mice that ravaged the land, and you shall give glory to the God of Israel, and perhaps he will ease his hand from you, your gods and your land. Why do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he had, when he had severely dealt with them, did they not allow the people to go and they departed? So all the events that have happened from the end of chapter 4, where the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant to now in 1 Samuel 6 verse 1, have taken seven months. The ark has gone from city to city, and wherever the ark has gone, death and destruction, God's judgment has followed. But God was merciful and gracious, even to the people of Ekron, as Isaiah pointed out the other night in 5 verse 12, when the cry of the city went up, the Lord hears their cry. The Lord is merciful to them. The Lord um, seems to um, stop the plague or at least diminish the severity of the plague. In chapter 5, in verse 8 and verse 11, the Bible tells us they gathered the lords of the Philistines. They sent messages to the lords of the Philistines. What are we going to do about the ark? They seem to recognize right now this problem is bigger than something that the lords of the Philistines can handle. This is bigger than needing a political solution. And they call for, in verse 2, the priests and the diviners. What strikes you about calling for diviners? What strikes you about that? Those practices were okay in the Old Testament or not? 
You weren't supposed to do that. Deuteronomy 18, you just weren't supposed to do that. And But this is the Philistines. Now, still, those sins God drove out the other nations. I think the Philistines, though, are trying to do, they, they're groping in the darkness. And they're trying to do the best they can. And uh, that's not a justification, nor uh, saying this is severe of a sin as it would be in Israel. But it's saying they send for the priest and diviners and they say, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about the ark of God? And he says, if you send the ark of God, don't send it back empty. But you send back a guilt offering with it. And the guilt offering is going to be of the tumors that have afflicted them and of the mice, probably because they viewed them as spreading this particular disease. And they said, if you send back the Ark of the Covenant, if you send it back with this guilt offering, you're going to be healed and you will know. And this is, this is a key point in verse 3. It shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Now verse 9, when we get there, we're going to see the possibility held open by the people that, that maybe this still happened by accident. But, but right now, if all this works well, we will know uh, his hand, why his hand is not removed from us. So they send back these five golden tumors and five golden mice. And uh, they, uh, they send these back for uh, the... Um, They send these back for each of the lords of the Philistines, along with the ark. But I want you to notice what's said in verse verse 5. Verse 5. So you shall make the likenesses of the tumors, the likenesses of your rats that ravage the land, and give glory to the God of Israel. Give glory to the God of Israel, perhaps... He will ease his hand from your gods and your land. This is viewed as judgment on the gods of the Philistines as well as judgment on the land. We have seen before quite frequently in the book of Samuel at this point words like glory, words like honor, words like glory, honor, um, heavy. How else? But but they're all translations of the same Hebrew word. Heavy is an adjective. The term heavy was used of Eli in 4:18. He was heavy and broke his neck. Uh, that's used as an adjective, but it is, and that word in itself doesn't seem to have significance because it refers to, to Eli, but often the word describes honor. For example, in 2 and verse 8, the Bible says that God lifts the needy from the ashy to make them sit with nobles and to inherit a seat of honor. Look at verses 29 and 30 of chapter 2. Chapter 29 and 30. Why do you kick 
at my sacrifice and my offering, which I've commanded in my dwelling, and honor your sons above me by making yourselves fat with the choices of every offering of my people Israel. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father shall walk before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. So there in 2, 28, or 29 and 30, this term honor is used repeatedly in this particular text. Uh, and those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. This word was also used and translated glory when the Bible tells us the glory of the Lord had departed in Israel. And now it is used here in 6.5, 6.5, to talk about give glory to God. But I want to tell you another place this word is used that you don't see. It's not evident from translation, but it is also, it's used as a verb and translated pardon in chapter 6 and verse 6. So when he says give glory to God, he uses the same word that he uses in verse 6 and says do not Harden your heart. So the word that means giving glory to God also refers to hardening their own heart. But but you say, well, what are you going to do with all this? And that's what we have to see. And, and I want to tell you, I may not have done this justice. There's some other passages uh, that also use this term glory. Uh, for example, chapter five, uh, chapter five, verse six. Uh, chapter 5 verse 6 and chapter 5 verse 11 use this term as a verb and I may have missed some others but the purpose of all of this section the purpose of all of this is to show us that we need to honor God because God is heavy God is weighty God is significant and he needs to be honored and he needs to be glorified that's the purpose of all of this whether you're an Israelite, whether you're a Philistine, the point is to teach them to honor and glorify God. Now, the same word that's used in the Greek translation of 1 Samuel 6, 6, give glory to God. Or 1 Samuel 6, verse 5, give glory to God. It's used in a New Testament passage, and some of you will know what I'm talking about. He was healed. He was struck by an angel. He was eaten by worms because he did not give God the glory. Who am I talking about? Herod. Herod. It's Herod Agrippa I in Acts 12, verse 23. The point, just like that account, this account is to emphasize to us that God is to be honored. God is to be glorified. We are to stand in awe of God. Bob, if others have questions or ideas, you can speak after Bob. 
is so interesting, Mark said, that here the Philistines are attempting in, in so much a feeble way to glorify God. They're recognizing His glory when the Israelites did not. <laughs> yes. There are going to be a lot of striking con striking statements like that in the in the text Bob but you're right they are trying to glorify God in this particular case really that they bring up what God has done with the Egyptians and they're a new chapter in that story the what God has done among the Philistines and with the Ark of the Covenant they are becoming a new chapter in the Lord's story but just like Pharaoh and the Egyptians who ultimately have to kind of bow before the God of Israel so the Philistines are he is God of all the earth and ultimately all the world will surrender to him what other thoughts are you anybody Okay. Let's look at 7 to 12. I want to ask you one of the questions I ask you. What are some things that made it unlikely that these cows would go to the land of Israel? Okay? As we read, look for that. 7 through 12. Now, therefore, take and prepare a new cart. This is what the diviners, this is what the priests are advising them. Take and prepare a new cart and two milk cows on which there's never been a yoke. Hitch the cows to the cart. Take their calves home away from them. Take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart and put the articles of gold which you return to him as a guilt offering in a box by its side. Then send it away that it may go. Watch if it goes by the way of its own territory to Beth Shemesh that he has done this great evil. He's speaking of God. Verse 9, but if not, then we shall know that it was not his hand that struck us, but it happened to us by chance. Then the men did so, and they took two milk cows, and they hitched them to the cart, and they shut up their calves at home, and they put the ark of the Lord on the cart and the box with the golden mice and the likenesses of their tumors and the cows took straightway in the direction of Beth Shemesh and they went along the highway lowing as they went they did not turn aside to the right or to the left and the lords of the Philistines followed them to the border of Beth Shemesh now to explain a little bit here uh, about the context, and I'll give you a chance to answer the questions. But Bethshemesh was an Israelite city. It was an Israelite city about seven miles or so east of Ekron. And it was a city that was sometimes disputed between the Israelites and the Philistines. 
You see that, for example, in 2 Chronicles 28 and verse 18. 2 Chronicles 28 verse 18. This is a latter point and later point in Israelite history where the Philistines uh, take the city of Beth Shemesh. 2 Chronicles 28 verse 18. But this is a near Israelite city. And this is their plan. We're going to take these two cows and we're going to let them go. And if they go, if they end up in the land of Israel, then we'll know this is the Lord's hand. They land, if they end up in Beth Shemesh, seven miles to the east, an Israelite city, we'll know this is the Lord's hand. If not, it happened by chance. So the English Standard Version has, it happened by coincidence. Uh, in verse, in verse 3 they said we will know it will be known why his hand is not removed it will be known in verse 3 or that was verse 3 verse 9 says that if they don't go up to Israelite territory we will know it's not his hand that struck us so they use the same Hebrew word but, but here's the contrast is, 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 are the cattle going to go up to the land of Israel, the city of Beth Shemesh, or are they not? Now, what, what would be some things they did that would have made going to the land of Israel kind of unlikely? Sarah is raising her she didn't say, she, she, she asked, she raised her question before, she raised her hand before I read when I just asked the question earlier. She's been excited for this. Okay? particularly liked your assessment that they were not, they were Philistine cows and had not been wrestled uh, from the land of Israel. I hadn't thought about that perspective, you know, going home. But, but Sarah's right, they never been yoked. Never been yoked. I think even more importantly, they are separated from their calves. The fact they are lowing every step of the way, I think indicates they don't like what they're doing. They want to go back to these calves. They want to um, be back with them. But even though they are, have never been yoked, even though they are separated from their calves, even though no one is guiding the cart, they do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Those same words are used when instructing the king of Israel 
to read the book of the law all the days of your life in Deuteronomy 17. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. These cattle, don't turn to the right or to the left. They are just going up. They're going up to the land of Israel and to the city of Bethshemesh. Now, let me ask you, Bob's about to speak in just a second. What does that show? What's the lesson? Okay. What was that? God did it. Exactly. The Lord did it. The Lord did it. They said, this is the test. And the Lord did it. Bob? Kings 18 uh, that Bob references about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Yes, yes it is. That is powerful. And it is a similar kind of situation. It's almost like all the cards are stacked against the Lord and yet the Lord shows his power. Now I want to point out something here about another, another word. You see in verse 9, is the first word in the New American Standard is translated watch. Is it the same? Is it translated watch in other versions as well? Okay. Other versions have the word watch. The word watch in 6, 9, he said watch. In verse 16, the Bible tells us when the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned to Ekron. The word saw in verse 16 is the same word watch in verse 9. In other words, the Philistine rulers, the Philistine, those who go with the cart, they are told, you watch, you see, you look. And they watch, they see, they look. And then in verse 16, we're told once again, they saw it. I will tell you, it's hard for me, it's hard for someone to convince me, and I'm sure it's hard for someone to convince you that something that you saw is a thing. Hard for me to be convinced of that. Hard for you to be convinced of that. When we see something, and we know we saw it, it's hard for us to back off it. The Philistines are seeing the power of the Lord's hand. The Philistines are, are told, watch for this, and then they see that. They are seeing God's power in uh, directing, directing this ark back to the land of Israel. Now, that word's going to come into play a little bit later, too. But, but any, any thoughts right there on verses uh, 1 through 12? Okay, let's pick up with verse 13. 
The people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. That probably makes this May or June. May or June. They're reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. They raised their eyes and saw the ark of God and were glad to see it. The cart came into the field of Joshua, the Beshemite, and stood there, and stood there where there was a large stone and they split the wood of the cart and they offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was with it. In which were the articles of gold and put them on the large stone. And the men of Beshemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices that day to the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned to Ekron. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned for a guilt offering to the Lord, one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, one for Ekron, and the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, belonging to the five lords, both of these fortified cities and of country villages, the large stone on which they set the ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua the Beshemai. So, the people of Beshemai, Harvest of Abeshemesh, I'm sorry, which was a Levitical city, according to Joshua 21, verse 16. It's a Levitical city, a city, one of the 48 cities designated for the Levites. If you were with us in our Joshua class, you know the other 47 too. So the people of Beshemesh were reaping the wheat harvest, they raised their eyes. They see the ark coming. Their attitude is to rejoice at this. The, the cows stop, the cows stop in the field of Joshua the Beshemai. A man, of course, only mentioned here. We wouldn't expect anything different. But mentioned in verse 14 and verse 18. And he's mentioned here because the stone that was in his field on which these animals were sacrificed still served as a witness at the time that first samuel was written of the truth of all these events this is where it happened you can go look at this field and you can see where all of this took place the levites take down the ark of the covenant the five lords of the philistines see all of this and observe it and then we're told the five lords of the philistines in verses um, uh, 17 through verse uh, 18 these five lords of the philistines um, they see all of this and they're the ones that turn back does anything strike you Anything strike you as really strange in this account? And I don't know if what strikes me is going to be the same as you, but, but Bob? Well, I thought it was interesting that the account of what happened at the place did not mention what happened to the people who touched or looked upon the ark until it was reported by the Philistine leaders. Until they go back? Yeah. Until they go back, you're saying? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, in the account that's given, uh, it talks about you know, offering the sacrifice, but it doesn't say anything about having to those who looked upon it. Yes, yeah, you'll see that verse 19. Verse 19, yeah. the uh, Philistines mention that. But it just reminds you that there were certain ways that things were supposed to be done. Yes, yes. No one was supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant except for the Levites. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until they sent for the Levites that they started doing what God Okay. Okay. You're, 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 uh, yeah. I, I think verse, I thought I, I was misunderstanding what you said. Um, yeah, I think verse 19 still reported in the text here, but I, I don't know if the lords of the Philistines were around to see that uh, mistreatment. I just, that's the way I was taking what you were saying at first. Yeah, the location where that statement okay. was made makes you think that they were reporting that. Okay. 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 I see what you're. I see what you're saying. Um, I, I think that's the inspired narrator. We're going to come back to that verse in a moment, and so um, you know, don't. Um, we'll come back, and, and we'll we'll talk. There'll be much to talk about there. What struck me as strange is they offer the cows as a burnt offering in verse fourteen. When you offer a burnt offering. What was the qualification of a burnt offering? A bull. It was a, it was a, it was a male, I, w- I was meaning to say from the herd, to give you a chance to say bull, but I said bull accidentally. But you see that in Leviticus 1.3. And so, I don't know that that was a right step to offer these animals as burnt offerings. I don't know that that was the case because they were they were cows and not bulls and the fact that they're milk cows it's probably pretty easy to see that they're cows um, but let's go to the passage that Bob talked about verse 19 it says he struck down some of the men of Beshemash because they looked into the ark of the Lord and he struck down of all the people 50,070. And I know your translations vary a lot right there. He struck down of all the people 50,070. And the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beshemesh said, Who is able to stand? Before the Lord, this holy God, and to whom shall he go up from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Cariath-Jerim, saying the Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord, have come down, to, uh, come down and take it up to you. Then the men of Cariath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadad on the hill and consecrated Eliezer his son to keep the ark of the Lord. He came about from the day that the ark remained at Cariath-Jerim that the time was long for it was 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Now Bob was talking before about what they did with the ark. It says they looked 
They looked into it. Some of your versions may have looked upon it. The preposition here could be translated a lot of different ways. The New American Standard says, look into the ark. But whether they looked into it, whether they looked up on it, I want you to know that this is the same word translated watch earlier, translated saw earlier in verse 9 and verse 16. And it was used twice in verse 13. In verse 13, when Israel saw the ark, when Israel saw the ark, they were glad to see it. It's used twice there. But now here in verse 19, the text tells us these men saw into or looked into the ark. The point is, this was a case where they had been afflicted by God and they were seeking to give glory to God. And as they were seeking to give glory to God, they see evidence of the hand of God. They see evidence that the hand of God had struck them. Here, the Israelites don't do a whole lot better with the Ark of the Covenant than the Philistines did. They look into the Ark. They saw it and at first rejoiced. They rejoiced at first, but then they looked upon it in an irreverent way or looked into it and they're struck as a result. And all of this is showing us that we have to give glory and honor to God in how we treat His holy objects, how we deal with Him. We must treat Him with awesome and stand, stand in utter awe of God. Now, you work to a couple of passages that are often connected with verse 19, what the people did, looked into the ark. It's Exodus 19, I think it's verses 21 and 22. Where Moses has gone up on the mountain, he's warned the people, don't, don't come through, don't look through. And God tells him, go back down and warn the people. And Moses says, I've already warned them. You know, Moses knows these are brilliant people who are always, only have to be warned once. Sarcasm. God goes down, God says, no, you don't warn them again. They need it. And the point is, they could do something irreverent as God appeared on Mount Sinai and it could cost them their lives. Also, in Numbers 4, Numbers 4 talked about the parts the various Levites played in transporting the Ark of the Covenant. And in Numbers 4, this was what was told the family of Kohath. The family of Kohath was the family that moved the Ark of the Covenant. In verse 15, Numbers 4, 15, when Aaron and his sons had finished covering the holy objects and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is set off after the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them so that they may not touch the holy objects and die. These are the things, the ten of these are the things in the tent of meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. Numbers 4:15. They could not touch 
any of the holy things. But look at verses 19 and 20 of Numbers 4. But do this to them that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy objects. Aaron and his sons shall go in and assign to each of them his work and his load, and they shall not go in to see the holy objects. Objects is in italics, it's not in the original. They shall not go in to see the holy, even for a moment, or they will die. We are blessed to be in a relationship with God, to have fellowship with God. We are blessed by that. But we cannot lose sight of the awesome reverence we have to have for God. And everything we do here, it can reflect joy. It can reflect how blessed we are. But it also needs to reflect that. And those two are not contradictory. Fear of the Lord and joy are mentioned in the same verse in Psalm 2. I believe it's verse 11. They're not inconsistent. And we must stand in holy reverence to Him. Now, some of your translations, I hesitate to get into this. But they have how many died? The New American Standard is 50,070. What do some of your other versions have? Seven. Seven. What, was, what versions have that? ESV. 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 Yes. Okay. Do any of you have 5,070? Most of the Hebrew texts say 50,070. The Syriac translation has. Um, 5,070. Josephus and the Babylonian Talmud have 70. And some Hebrew manuscripts have 70. One thing that's a little different here is it has first the number, it has the number 70, and then it has the number 50,000, which is not usually the way Hebrew says it. So, so some think that maybe it's more likely the 70 is the case. But, but I, I, I'm not trying to get to a big point about that. But my point is people die like Herod in Acts 12 because they did not give God the glory. And they ask, who is able to stand before this holy God? I would suggest, suggest to you that in a lot of ways, that question in 1 Samuel 6, verse 20, is the question of the whole Bible. How can we stand before a holy God? It is not going to be because we are good enough and we are righteous enough. It is only going to be by His mercy and grace, expressed in the whole biblical story through the blood of his son Jesus but all of this needs to tell us and remind us that it's not a frivolous thing 
to be in a right relationship with him or to stand before the holy God. It's not that mankind's default position is that we're okay with God as long as we don't commit double murder. Our default position is we've sinned and done wrong. And we desperately need reconciliation. Mary? Uh, reminds me after God has struck down the Gavin you. Moses tells Aaron, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. In, in Leviticus 10, verse 3. Very good, Mary. Let me also mention another key word here that I'm running out of space. But the word struck down, did you notice that word was used three times? Struck down three times in 619 to talk about God striking down Israel. God struck down Israel. It is also used in 5, verse 6, verse 9, verse 12 of striking down the Philistines. And it is used in chapter 4 and verse 8. It's often translated smoke or smite of God smiting the Egyptians. So God smote the Egyptians. He smote the Philistines. And now Israel's not doing a whole lot better with the ark, as Bob was pointing out earlier, than the Philistines did. And so uh, he strikes down them. Sarah? <laughs> okay. Yes, exactly. Exactly. We experience his mercy and grace. He takes us just as we are and he transforms us into what we should be. And we have to humble our hearts before him. Um, it's interesting to me when the ark was among the Philistines they kept trying to send it away here's Israel doing the same thing Israel's calling up to Kiriath-Jerim and Kiriath-Jerim was not a priestly city by the way Anne-Marie has been asking questions um, on our page Anne-Marie uh, this city Kiriath-Jerim is an illustration of a city that was assigned to Judah in Joshua 15:9, and it was also assigned to Benjamin in Joshua 18, though I am looking for, oh, it is in verse 14. So it was assigned to two different cities, two different tribes. And so that, that does happen with several of the cities that they're assigned to different tribes. But they send the ark to Kiriath-Jerim and they say, you come down and get it. This is a Levitical city. If anybody knew how to treat this ark, it should have been them. But they don't treat it well. And they take it to Kiriath-Jerim to the house of Abinadab. They consecrate Eliezer. And um, who is Eliezer? We don't really know. Was he a priest or a Levite? Or, but the ark will remain there at least 20 years. Well, what other thoughts do you all have? Anything? Well, Kiriath-Jerim is originally a Gibeonite city in Joshua 9.17. What's to be made of that? Joshua 9.17 does say it's a Gibeonite city. And Gibeon was a 
princely city. But it does say Gibeon with its villages, not with its cities. But yes, in Joshua 9, 17, it was a Gibeonite city. Uh, so I, I don't know, I don't know, but, but I would say what it shows is they probably wouldn't have been as qualified by their background to handle the ark in a way that, that uh, Bethshemesh would have been. But that shows you how desperate they are to get rid of it. That's what I was going to say is the people of God don't even want the ark and they send it to these sort of outsiders. They rejoiced when they saw it coming back. They rejoiced when they saw it coming back, but it doesn't take them very long for you get it away from us. And, um, but we must, the, 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 we must always give glory, give honor, and give praise to God. And we're seeing that from Israelite examples. We're seeing that from Philistine examples. And um, so, thank you. Emma, read you other. Don't know if Robbie can get there. Excuse me, I didn't hear that. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Mark 5, 1 through 20. Uh, same kind of, uh, you know, they don't want something this powerful among them. So, thank you guys. Lord willing, y'all will cover at least seven on Wednesday night. Um, we'll as. Yeah, so so maybe y'all will. So